Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Yesterday was our baby's due date. We have not had a baby yet. Round four is not here. So I, I expect to be uh, this one to be a little bit lively for sure. Uh, but today, I, I think it's so important. We talk about being a kingdom movement. And a part of being a kingdom movement is the fact that there's kingdom voices in the church and it's not just in this building always. So I want us to hear from as many kingdom voices as possible. And Micah Stevens is one of those today. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Micah Stevens to you guys. And he'll be leading us in the word today. Micah, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> we go all the way back to seventh grade right, when we played bro. football yeah, together. That's right, man. All day. That's yeah. right. That's right. You're a better athlete than me, though, so <laughs> I, I, I love you. What an amazing pastor you have. Can you get one over stuff for Jay? Unbelievable. To keep me relatively focused in my prayer life, I asked God to give me a word for the people that I pray for. Just a simple word, because anything more than one, I'm gonna shoot off and get confused. And as Jay's been building this church and doing all these things, and we meet and he talks, and, he, and he, I just said, God, as I pray for Jay, can I have a word for him to speak over him, to pray about him, to just keep my mind focused and spirit focused on the Holy Spirit? And a couple of days before I spoke, he gave me a word. And I want you to hear this word as a part of the movement that is happening at Midtown. And the, the word that I was given for Pastor Jay is uncommon. I've done church my whole life. I've done church professionally for 12 years. I've met a lot of men and women that do it professionally, that do it as a volunteer. I've met young, I've met old. I've not, I've not met a lot of pastors like Jay period. At his age, being the depth of knowledge that he has, what he brings to this church, what he brings to our community, you're a man of God. I appreciate your relationship. I appreciate your prayers. He texts me all the time just praying for you. I'm telling you, if it's your first time to Midtown, welcome. But if you've been going for a long time, you are an absolutely lucky individual to be in the flock of Pastor Jay, period. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying it because he asked me to speak. I'm saying it because it's true. I'm saying it because it's a fact. He's not the end-all, be-all, but this man is seeking the face of God for what he has for each of you, for your families, for your children, for your community. And you're lucky to follow under his leadership and what he's doing. So if I can encourage you to do anything, it's run behind him and keep up with him. Run behind him and keep up with him. And at times, you're going to have to hold his arms up. At times, you're going to have to run beside him. If you knew the power that is in this room, if you understood the power, if a group of believers this size, the math this is clear, the Bible is clear, that if a group of people with the numbers of here alone, not an extra person, not our spring or fall numbers because summer is a little light, this group of people set on fire for Christ can change this community, period. Period. You can change this community. 
You may have come tonight because you wanted to hang and get your church on for an hour and roll on. I believe if you will lean in to the Spirit of God tonight, if you will lean in, I believe Midtown will never be the same. And if Midtown isn't the same, then this town will never be the same. This town will never be the same. And what I love about Jesus, what I love about God is we get a choice. We get a choice to live and step and walk the way we wanna walk and step and live. We get a choice with the words we speak. We get a choice with how we view God. And that's what I wanna talk to you just a little bit about this evening. And I'm so honored to be here. I appreciate being a part of a movement of God. What incredible worship you have, by the way, too. Unbelievable. Not just talent. Give them a round of applause. You can be, you can be a little louder, because I'm gonna talk until you talk back. I got nowhere to be, John. I got nowhere to be. Because talent will get you somewhere, right? But the Holy Spirit infused with talent will get you anywhere. You got some incredible musicians, but when you feel it in the room, in the platform, worship has happened. God is being lifted up. And when God is being lifted up to his proper place in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, miracles can happen. Lives can be changed. And that's what I want for each of us is to regain focus of our faith, to see Jesus how we were supposed to see him and not through the religious view, not through a broken past, not through a prideful spirit, not through a, a misperspective, but seeing Jesus for you and for your family and for this community the way you were meant to see him. Like I said, I've been in church my entire life. My father's been a pastor since I was a child, and I played at church for a minute. Really well, too. Extremely well. And many of you may be doing the same, but I played church perfectly. And one moment, I'm sitting in the living room at a group, talking about Jesus I've done my whole life. I doubted him. I didn't believe in him. I made a decision when I was 13, I was dunked. I felt I had an experience, but I kept walking because I'm a second generation Christ follower. So the contrast wasn't so intense. I went from a church boy to a saved church boy. And I just lived my life. And then I got in college and I began to doubt even harder that he wasn't real, he didn't exist. This religion thing wasn't for me. So I, I jumped and I went a different route. I ran a little bit, I did my prodigal thing. Then I kind of came back to church, and I was still playing. I was still playing. And I was sitting in the living room in the corner, doing group, like I was supposed to. And we were going through the book of John, and I'll never forget. We read, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And in that moment, Jesus said, get in or get out. Get in or get out. You're wasting your time playing. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And for a moment, for a second, I saw Jesus the way he was meant to be seen in his perfection, in his love, in his passion, in his generosity. And I thought, I'm in. I'm all in. And it's changed my life forever. I've not been perfect. I've made mistakes. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've been in places that I, I shouldn't have been. But my life has never been the same. 
And I implore you tonight, I encourage you this evening to lean in a little bit, to allow the Holy Spirit to shake you up a little bit. Be humble as we read the scripture. Be humble as you hear these words and really investigate where you are in your life, where you are in your faith. We're going to talk about a story in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 48. Many of you may have heard this story before. We're going to get into it tonight. Eight chapters. That's all we're going to do. And we're going to see what God has for us. But before that, I want to pray. And again, my name is Micah, and I'm so glad to be here. Jay is a friend and a pastor. And I'm thrilled to be a part. But I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will humble us, that we are perfectly ready to hear his word. And I want to pray for Pastor Jay's little baby that he keeps messing around and get out of here. And let's have a child stop messing around. Okay? God, we love you tonight. We praise you. We ask you. We beg you to reveal within us the things that are not of you. To remove those in this moment because you can't in an instant. And some things you've already removed, but we won't forget. You cast our sins as far as the east is to the west, but while you cast, we hold on. We hold on to past brokenness. We hold on to words that were spoke over us. We hold on to things that you have forgiven and washed away, but we hold so tightly to chains that have been unlocked. We grasp with white knuckles the bars of a prison cell that you've unlocked. Free us. Free Midtown to be all that it was meant to be, a community-shaking movement of the Holy Spirit that will not soon be forgotten. You are not dead to the pages of Scripture. You are alive and you are well and you are moving. God, infuse us tonight with that courage, with that passion, because we serve a real and a mighty God. And the miracles of the Old and New Testament are not just stuck on those pages, but they are alive and they are well in this moment. And we walk in that power and we walk in that freedom. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Are you guys ready to hear a little bit from church? Are you guys ready to hear a little bit? I need a little bit of talking back. I don't know if Pastor Jay does that or not, but I need a little bit. A little bit, John. Just a little bit. A little bit. It's Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell in the movie Hook. She needed the clapping or she would die. That's like me. My energy comes from the crowd. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. I'm going to read this, then we're going to talk about it a little bit, give some context. This story, in my opinion, is wild and incredible. And there is a wild and incredible life waiting for you. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him, come to my house. His only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying, and Jesus was on his way. And the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Have you ever felt that way? That you've been alone and hurting for years, and everything that you've tried, every church group you've tried, every job you've tried, every relationship you've tried, have left you wanting and just a little bit less of who you thought you should be. For 12 years, she came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak. 
And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and that she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I'm not sure if you're like me, but the way I like to read the Bible to give me context is I read what I'm reading, and then I make little circles that get bigger and bigger around the verse, around the cluster of verses, around the chapter, around the chapters and the book to give me context of what is happening. For so often the time for me, I read this and the only real characters are Jesus and the woman. That's how I read the Bible. Jesus healed a woman, awesome, great, killer, move on to the next thing. But if you will give yourself time to realize the context of the story and what is happening, it is even more incredible. So Jesus, right before this, had just sent the demons into the pigs in the sea. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story. But a demon-possessed man that everybody knew of, this wild, wooded, crazy man that was filled with demons that nobody could touch, everybody was afraid of. He was tormenting the village. Jesus went, healed him, and cast the demons out and sent him to the pigs. This is done. Jesus gets back in the boat and goes back to town. Now Jesus is starting to pop off. Jesus is now turning up his public ministry. For 30 years, he's been on the down low, and now he says, I'm here, and I'm ready to do ministry. Now, think about that for a second. A guy that can really do miracles. How many miracles we need in this room right now? Just in this room, right now. This fraction of a fraction of a percent of Knox County. How many physical healings do we need in the room? Or do you know of that you need in the room? How many financial miracles do we need in the room right now? Tons. So imagine if tonight at 6.30 p.m., a guy's flying in in McGee Tyson Airport that could change you all that for you. <laughs> Do you think it's just going to be a, a couple people and that guy's just going to walk off the jetway and kind of saunter on? That place is going to be packed with people. It's going to be packed with people that want their lives changed. They want their family's life changed. And when it comes to you and your family, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. I didn't know what crazy was until I had a daughter. Try to step to my daughter. Try it. I will wreck this whole room. I will pull every chair up just to make sure that she doesn't feel an ounce of discomfort. And so if my daughter was sick, you best believe I'm waiting at McGee Tyson. I'm camping out in a tent if there's a guy that can land there and that could change my daughter's life. So imagine that. That is the energy we're talking about here. So Jesus gets off the boat and there's a crowd of people. Obviously, he gets off the boat. And in that crowd of people is the president of the synagogue. Something else I like to do when I read the Bible is read the message translations. It's a little easier for me to understand. I'm a simple guy. 
So I read the message translation, then I read the ESV to help me give you context. So the message translation calls him the president to make it for us to understand, because we don't maybe understand the depth and the width what a synagogue leader would look like. So Jairus comes to Jesus, and they're going to part for Jairus. Jairus is a big deal. Mayor, president, vice president, I'm not sure how you want to, but this guy's a big deal. Walks up, says, my daughter's dying. I believe you can heal her. Come with me to my house. So now we have a massive crowd of people that are literally, some translations say, almost crushing Jesus. You've seen those big crowds. People have died getting in and out of concerts, being crushed and trampled because of the energy. And imagine that amount of people that all believe and want a touch of the guy that can change their life. Just imagine that for a second. Put yourself in that moment. And there's a woman in that crowd that's been bleeding for 12 years. And the Levitical code says if you have an open wound, you cannot touch or be touched by anyone. You cannot touch or be touched by anyone. So for 12 years, she was alone. So not only to compound her wound, her hemorrhaging, her weakness and weakness of state, She couldn't spend time with her friends, her family, her neighbors. She was utterly alone. And many of us feel that way, especially after the year we just had. Now we've set the stage. Your story's been set. You feel alone. You feel broken wherever you're at in your life. And now it's we have a choice. Now we have a choice to see Jesus clearly or to continue living in the brokenness that we have. And I believe there are three things that keep you and I from seeing Jesus the way we were supposed to see him, that keeps our faith fuzzy. Three things. Our past, our pride, or our perspective. For some of us, it could be all three. For some of us, it could be just one thing. Imagine the past that she was carrying with her. Imagine. For 12 years, some translations say she spent all she had and didn't fix anything. She gave everything she had. She continued to bleed. What would you do? How would you feel? Probably like giving up. Probably like there's nothing. How many things could you try in 12 years? When my Amazon orders a day late, I'm furious. I need toothpaste yesterday. This is ridiculous. Friday, Bezos, get your act together. Immediately. This is toothpaste, people. I'm talking about deodorant. I'm talking about drill bits. I can't wait a day for. This woman was alone and bleeding for 12 years and gave everything she had and had nothing to show for it. Had nothing to show for it. That could be you. Your past, and you look behind you, and there is so much brokenness that was perpetrated upon you, and you feel like you didn't do anything wrong. The people that were supposed to love you the most didn't. The people that were supposed to lift you up and encourage you were never there. Or it could be something you've done, or things that you've done and said, and put in your body, or done to your body, and you feel like, I'm never going to be enough, and you let Jesus walk by. For some, it's pride. That's my world. I'm the, I'm the governor of pride land. That's, my, that's me. I live it. I own it. You think you can do more pride better than me? You can't. I'm the best. 
And it's difficult to ask for help. It's difficult to worship when you think you're above everybody. It's difficult to see Jesus how he was meant to be seen when you don't need nobody. When you can do it yourself. When you're an entrepreneur. When you're a self-made man or woman. And asking for help. Getting on your knees for your family and friends or for your own salvation is not how you work. That's not how you do. Pride. The spirit of mammon. Hard to see Jesus. Hard to think about eternity when you're in love with the world. When you're in love with the things, the enthrallings, the entrapments, the trappings of this world. Or your perspective. Your perspective of who you think Jesus is supposed to be. Because your whole life, you've treated him like a magic eight ball. Give me that job. I want that job. I want that job. I want that girl. I want, those, I want that pair of shoes. I need to get in that college. I need my boy to get in that college. You've treated him like a grocery list you want to pick up at Target to go. And not like the king of kings that he is. Is he the one that answers your prayers? Or is he the one that breathed life into your lungs? And I'm not telling you don't ask Jesus for things. I'm not telling you sitting here don't beg Jesus to move in your life. But scripture says that if you follow him and you're trying to build his kingdom, he will give you the desires of your heart. Because guess what? When you're chasing after Jesus, your desires change. Your desires change. You stop wanting what other people want. You stop wanting to run at the same speed that they want to run to because guess what? It's all going to burn up. But for some reason, Christ followers, we believe it, we read it, but we don't live like it. We don't live like it. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with Christians, Christ followers that say, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to read the Bible. What? Can I see your calendar, please? Because guess what? You're spending an awful lot of time on travel baseball. Spending an awful lot of time making sure little Timmy gets a college scholarship and Timmy can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Timmy ain't going to college, son. Get out of here. He ain't going. Let me promise you, he ain't going. And if you think he is, we can meet at the ball field. I'll tell you, and we can end it there. Maybe, maybe little Timmy can go to college. Maybe he is that good. Maybe he is in the magazines. But Timmy's going to go to college thinking that's all that matters because he watches mom and dad not take him to church. Timmy's going to go to college, and you're going to wonder, what happened to Timmy? Why does he love God? Well, look back at who modeled it for him because the only thing that mattered was academics and money and sports. And not Jesus. And guess what? If you start chasing the right things, your life is going to look a lot different. It's going to look a lot different. There's a young boy, and he was doing horribly in school. Horribly. They want to go back. Teacher's saying, he's struggling. Mom and dad, we don't know what to do. He won't even walk up to the, to the chalkboard. He's just busted up. He doesn't want to do it. 
They even take him to the doctor, see what's going on. They take him. Doctor does a couple tests, see what's going on. Last thing they do before he leaves is say, hey, let's check your eyesight. Check your eyesight real quick. Come to find out the boy can barely see. Can barely see. He, say, he saw good enough to act like he knew what he was doing. Like a lot of us coming to Midtown, acting like we know what we're doing. But he couldn't see. They gave him glasses. He didn't want to wear them. Even though so many of us now wear glasses that we don't need to look cool. I still don't understand that. Do you need those? No. Blue light. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he didn't want to wear them. They finally, son, you got to wear them. You got to wear them. Okay, he puts them on. They're driving to school. He starts to scream. Mom, mom, what is that? What are they? Mom's freaking out. What's wrong? What's wrong? She pulls over to the side of the road. What's going on? What's over there? He points at a tree. He says, son, it's a tree. He said, are those leaves? I've never seen them look like that. His perspective changed. So tonight, is it your past? Is it your pride? Or is it your perspective keeping you from seeing Jesus the way he was truly meant to see? And allowing Jesus to see you how he was truly meant to see you. Because so many of us, like the woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, I love that she's healed. And the story's not over. She's healed. But Jesus stops. Because why? he knows she's done. She's healed. Let's keep going to Jairus' house. No, somebody touched me. Because Jesus wanted to show out her faith. He wanted to show the crowd what faith was really was and how it really worked. And so many of us, you and me included, we, we accept Christ. She's healed. We accept Christ and we're still ashamed. We're still scared. We still don't know what to do, how to talk, how to act, how to walk. So she touched the hem of his garment and then reversed back into the shadows, hoping to not be seen because she was healed. She got what she needed. It's time for many of us in this room to spiritually stand up and be recognized. To stand up and say, I'm no longer going to allow the enemy to take more ground in Knox County. I'm no longer going to allow the culture and the community and TV and TikTok and Instagram to influence our children. The people in this room are going to stand up and say, no more. I have faith filled with the power of Christ and I'm ready to live for him. Who touched me? Isaiah wrote in the Old Testament and said he saw Jesus. He saw God. And the train of his robe filled the, the temple. You know this passage? The train of his robe. The train can be translated as the hem of his garment. The hem of his garment. So she was touching royalty. When she grabbed it, she was touching royalty, the hem of his garment. She didn't have to touch Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment and was instantly healed. And, she, and he said, who touched me? What are you talking about? We're all touching you, man. We're smashing. I'm trying to get to Jairus' house. This guy's stomping on my ankles. We got to go, Jesus. Stop talking. I got to go. You could hear the frustration in Peter's voice. Master, what are you talking about who touched you? Everybody's touching you. I got fingers in my face. People stink. Let's go. They stink. I'm trying to get out of here, man. But he said, somebody touched me. And he wanted his disciples and the crowd to see her. Because now she's been made whole. Now the friends waiting patiently for her to be healed can come and touch her for the very first time. 
You ever feel like you're alone in a crowded place? You ever feel like you're the only person feeling the way you feel, the only person thinking and believing the way you feel? I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. And we're gonna play a little bit. And we're gonna worship a little bit. And I wanna ask you, what's holding you back from seeing Jesus the way he was meant to be seen? What's holding you back? Is it pride? Your past? Is it your perspective? Seeing Jesus clearly? I believe God has an unbelievable plan for you. An unbelievable plan. I love to know the rest of the story. Scripture says there would be no amount of books, no amount of pages that could hold all that Jesus did. But I want to know her story. What happened after she was healed of 12 years of bleeding? After she was an outcast and a pariah and she was broken and beaten and alone and God healed her with a touch. And he said, your faith has made you well. Go and live a life. I want you to walk out of Midtown this evening and go and live a life. Live a life of faith. Disciple people, pray for people, walk and see them how they were meant to be seen because we've been given a gift. And it says a light can't be, don't hide it under a basket. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light. I don't know why he picked us because men and women, we'd be, we'd be wilding. But he picked us. We were his method. I don't know why. Because you know you crazy. You crazy, right? You know that. The things I do, the things I think, the things I say. And Jesus could do it, I guess. But he chose men and women. He chose Midtown. You are his method to reaching Knoxville, the surrounding counties, the world. And he did it with far less. He did it with far less educated. He did it with far less technology. And he's waiting for men and women. I see almost every race. I see every age. I see men and women. What are we waiting for? See yourself anew. See yourself worthy of being died for. That's crazy. That's crazy. Forget your past. It's forgiven. It's forgiven. Change your perspective. Let go of your pride and see Jesus and let him see you. God, we love you so much. As we sing this song, may we sing it like we've never sing it before. Not just in volume, but with passion and truth and faith. Seeing you the way that we were meant to see you every ounce we can without dying. Let us see all that we can see that knowing that you are the most important thing. God, we love you so very much. Amen.